Hi, welcome to Zdeniek's English Podcast. How are you doing? By the way, I'm fine, thanks. I hope you're okay yourself. Now, if this is your first time listening, then welcome along. My name is Zdeniek, I am Czech, uh, I work as an English teacher, and you're in fact listening to the 166th episode of the podcast. Now, my assumption is that about, let's say, 95% of you, uh, the listeners of Zdeniek's English podcast, aka the Zeppers, also happen to be the listeners to Luke's English podcast, aka the Lepsters. And those of you who, for some inexplicable reason, don't listen to uh, Luke's English podcast, at least know what it is and are aware that Luke Thompson, uh, the person running Luke's English podcast, is the reason uh, my podcast was created. As I have said here many times before, Luke's lap has been the primary inspiration for my zap. In other words, if it weren't for Luke, this podcast wouldn't exist. That's for sure. And I'm absolutely delighted that you have tuned in for specifically this episode. Because guess what? Guess what? Yeah, that's right. Luke and I decided to catch up on Skype and have a long chat, which mostly revolves around my Delta studies, also teaching English in general, advantages of non-native teachers over uh, native teachers of English, but we also spent a good deal of time talking about our podcasts. For instance, I told Luke what my favorite episodes are and what makes a Luke's English podcast uh, a great podcast, and Luke... Uh, describes his feelings about recording the Pink Gorilla story too. And, um, you know, it's kind of behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. And I think it's... it's Yeah, I've really had good time um, uh, talking to Luke. Actually, this is not the first time I have talked to Luke on my podcast. Check out Zdeniek's English Podcast episodes 75, 76 and 77 if you don't believe me. Those episodes are now about two and a half years old. Uh, Luke and I met up in London back in, back in 2014, and the recordings we produced there easily became the most listened to episodes of Zdeniek's English podcast of all time. Concerning this very Skype call, I'm taking a similar approach to the London interview, actually, um, I kept the same format, so I divided our conversation into three parts, uh, three separate episodes. And after these episodes, uh, 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 another episode dedicated to language analysis will follow. There I shall focus on clarifying some interesting aspects of English that kind of came out of our conversation. Um, there will be some self-correction too and, you know, the, the usual stuff. So, without any further ado, here is the first part of my Skype call with Luke. Have fun! I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. 
good. The internet is working. Yes, that's the most important thing at this point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. How are you yourself? I'm all right as well, thanks. Cold? Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? I don't know what the weather's like over there. It's similar, I would say. I mean, there was a, a short spell when the, the snow started melting, but then it came back. The cold came back. So, <laughs> Well, this actually, it's snowing right now all around. Oh. Um, and this is the first snow that we've had for oh, months, maybe. Really? Yeah, certainly since last winter. It's, it's the first actual snow in Paris uh, this winter. So it's a monumental moment here at... Uh, uh, at the podcast headquarters, actual snow is falling uh, <laughs> from the actual sky and falling, literally falling onto the ground here. Dramatic scenes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, are you serious? Like you haven't you haven't had any snow this winter in in Paris? Yeah, I can't yeah. Be- I can't really believe it. No, it's serious. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, oh. no snow yet, uh, except for because today. Because this winter here in the Czech Republic, in particular. Like this has been the harshest winter in in five years. Really? So uh, yeah, I'm I'm really surprised. I thought I I've seen some pictures and I've uh, had some messages from my friends in England saying that even there is some snow even there. So mm. I'm quite surprised that it's different in Paris. Yeah, well, Paris just sort of gets slightly better weather than uh, than England. Um, mm. I where where are your friends in England that are getting the snow? Are they up north? Uh, I think so. Yeah, some of them, but. Wasn't there even snow in London this year? Uh, probably, yeah. Oh, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I might, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be a bit blurred in my in my head too. No, you there, might, but... you might, you might well be right. I think they did have snow actually, and it caused them some problems, as it always does, because yeah. snow in London is always like this totally unexpected thing. <laughs> even though you know, it obviously it does snow there and it gets cold. It's when it does snow, it's like what the what's going on? <laughs> White stuff everywhere. Stop yeah. the buses. The buses must stop. <laughs> um, exactly. It's a exactly. disaster. But no, it's we get slightly better weather in, in Paris than in London. So, uh, yeah, first actual <laughs> snowfall. Although it has been uh, a colder uh, winter, definitely, than the last one. Because mm. I know it has been because I've been wearing gloves this, this year and I didn't wear gloves last year. That's how I uh, know. Okay. That's a good indicator of um, cold, cold weather. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's great to be catching up with you. I mean, how do you how do you English always uh, manage it that you start speaking about weather and you end up speaking about it for three minutes? Because like... it's obviously the most interesting <laughs> subject going, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, the... I guess like um, the 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 reason is in England is because we have such kind of changeable weather, mm. and that means that there's always a neutral subject to talk about there's always something to say if you live in a country where the weather is always the same then there's nothing to talk about is there so i'll see it's see it's sunny again yep just like yesterday yeah and tomorrow yeah exactly boring isn't it just boring (laughs) how awful it must be to live in a place where it's always nice Oh, where could that be? Like, I, I guess somewhere in the equatorian. What's the what's the word for it? Equatorian. Around the around the equator in that equator. In, yeah, in that area. Yeah, just near mm. the equator. How boring it must be at the equator. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I live far from the equator. It must be dreadful. <laughs> for once, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I don't mean to. Uh, insult those who do live near the equator i'm sure it's mm. actually i'm sure it's wonderful i'm just 
being iro- there, I'm being ironic and sarcastic. <laughs> there might be some people who are listening to us who are uh, living there right now, and uh, yeah, yeah, what they might be thinking now. They're all right? ins- they're all deeply insulted, aren't they? <laughs> well, unless they are really used to us, yeah, which is probably the case. Yeah, I think they don't um, mind. So I, I think all of my listeners know who you are. So there's no need to introduce you, really. And uh, you, you actually asked me not to give you uh, the celebrity status anymore. So yeah. I suppose I was I was ready to say it's uh, it's an honor and privilege and all that. But uh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, you can still say it. As, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't offend you, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't hurt. Let's put it that mm. way. No, I don't mind. But. Uh, no, it's you don't need to. It's not. It's not necessary. Yeah. I know. I know how brilliant I am. <laughs> okay. No, I'm joking. That sounded arrogant. It, it didn't, I didn't mean that. No, to sound I know. Arrogant. I know. I, I know it was a joke. So. Okay. Good. <laughs> thank. Thank God for that. Oh. <laughs> so. Uh, so what? I mean, we we made some notes. We prepared some questions here. Yes. So I don't know. First thing, I guess, when we were like sort of um, thinking about making this. Mm-hmm. happen i mean this is the second time this is happening actually mm-hmm. uh we were considering what to talk about and uh, we came up with the idea of talking about the the native non-native aspect of being an english teacher like what what it's like to be a non-native teacher are there any challenges mm. and um you know all that <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's yeah. one of the things and then i thought we could uh, i have got some questions related to your podcast here and yeah okay all right. Well, um, let's. Let, I, I want to ask you some questions because, um, you know, I I think that um, well, that question of native versus non-native teachers. I mean, you, for example, you are um, in the middle of doing your Delta, aren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Um, I would say I'm. I'm I, I I would like to think that I'm actually um, further than that. Like, um, yeah, because I, I've I've managed to actually pass. Uh, past two modules out of three so <laughs> brilliant congratulations it kind of feels in the middle but it's actually more than that yeah you're like what two-thirds of the way through or, or more than that it's hard to say because i don't i don't think um each of these modules you couldn't you can't really uh ascribe it some kind of uh equal status because no. the, the second module I, i'm sure i'm sure you have this you have a similar experience it's it's the most challenging one because that's the teaching practice well when i did it um uh when i it was like 11 years ago when i did it 11 and mm. a half years ago uh, so it's quite a long time and they have changed it since i did it um mm. so we didn't do the modular system uh, oh. at that time and I, I was just just before we started this call, I was trying to think about when I did the Delta, trying uh-huh. to cast my mind back to remember exactly what it was. But I think essentially the contents are the same. It's just organized slightly differently. So as mm. far as I remember, there was like four LSA assignments that I had to write. Yep. And that then, hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. Okay. And then um, there were assessed, observed lessons um, That's right. And um, those were related to the, the language uh, subject um, in the LSA assignments. That's right. Right. So, for example, I think, you know, I did. Oh, I can't remember. I think I did, mo- you know, uh, talking about obligation and permission, mm. um, let's say, as my first LSA assignment. So that was like a LSA stands for what? Language systems analysis or uh, something? Language systems analysis, I think. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? No, 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 no. I think it's actually language skills because you can, uh, you can also do skills, right? It's, right. 
uh, you have to do half skills and half systems. Yeah, that's so it. Uh, it has to that, that A has to stand uh, that S has to stand for skills. I think. I wonder if your listeners sort of know the difference between skills and systems. Yeah, I I, um, I have. Um, I've talked about this before yeah I think my listeners are well aware especially after my series about this uh, about uh, the delta I think I I, right uh, yeah I spend a lot of time on this so right right so I I remember doing the LSA one I think I did um, uh, modal verbs for obligation and permission so talking Mm. about obligation Mm -hmm. and it was you know all that sort of intermediate level stuff of um, uh, using have to and must Mm -hmm. and mustn't Mm -hmm. and don't have to and can and can't and maybe a few other uh, forms as well. And so, yeah, I had to write, I don't know how many thousand words it was, on that, that area of grammar. Um, mm-hmm. And um, like an- analyzing the grammar, but also um, talking about its form, its pronunciation, its use, yeah. and the challenges yeah. that learners of English might have when exactly. attempting to deal with it. Um, yeah. And then off the back of that, you have to write um, a very detailed lesson plan yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which you would never ever actually do in real life. It's yeah. just, it's a bit absurd, isn't it? It's a bit. But why like, do you th- why do you think they were? Why do you think we have to write those extremely long lesson plans? Then what's the purpose of that? Well, I think I think it just you know what do you say the, uh, se- uh, to separate the the chaff the chaff from the wheat? Like you know, just mm. you have to go through it. If you manage it, then you know <laughs> you have what it takes. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't see other reason because other than that, the lessons. The, the lessons are pretty much the same, like in CELTA. So I don't like. Obviously, maybe the criteria are set a bit higher, but other than that, you know, I don't, I don't see. I, I can't really see a point. Mm. It's it doesn't make any sense, really. I guess on, only to yeah, like you said, to separate the separate the men from the boys. Uh, mm-hmm. Although that's a <laughs> s- slightly sort of male centric uh, expression, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I suppose just if if yes. you're if you're able to to do all of that really complicated and in-depth work um and then also produce a lesson on the back of it that then you're probably you've got what it takes to be to be the best, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's it. That it's just the rigor, the sort of intellectual and academic rigor involved in yeah. in doing it sort of, you know, means mm. that you know if, if you can pass that then then you're probably good but also i think the idea is that they want us to um you know understand absolutely everything that goes into planning a good lesson and yeah so i suppose like you know ideally the perfect lesson involves a certain amount of thinking and preparation in advance because you're thinking about the language that you're going to teach even if it's just an hour of, of class you know, like the, the, I mean, I don't know, how, I don't know how much time you spent writing the assignment and the lesson oh. plan. You know, it's a couple of weeks in some cases, really, when you when you really get down to it. You, you know, a lot of work, of research, of writing, of rewriting, correcting, yeah. thinking, uh, uh, going off and watching TV because you've had enough. Uh, coming back, <laughs> you know, just it's just an absolute nightmare. But I guess what they're trying to tell you is that this is how complicated it should be and and there there should be some level of this kind of thinking and this uh depth going on in your mind as you're preparing for uh for any lesson so i agree i agree but i mean well, you know, I, I, in I, hindsight i mean i'm happy that i I've, I've been through this it makes me actually now it makes me feel good that i have managed all that and you know i know it was tough like imagine it was just uh 
something really easy, then you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to appreciate it, right? Yeah. So yes. I guess I guess I'm I'm not happy that it's all behind me, but I know it was really tough, especially because I took these I, I took this two month course, which was really really intense, and uh, yeah. I, I just I basically couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. It was impossible to, to for example, take a day off. It, it was mm. impossible. Mm. They advise us not to do that anyway. So, <laughs> what take a day off? Yeah, we could, like when when we uh, did our interview, uh, they told us, "Are you prepared to, uh, you know, to take in? Uh, I'm prepared to put in uh, as much effort as mm. as you possibly can, even more than that." Yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it's like. Uh enlisting in in the army or something isn't it they're like yeah it, it really felt like that yeah you know do you realize what this what it takes if you got what it takes to survive yeah. this course and, and what they would do they would even like uh really tell us how many how many words we were about to write like that was like we couldn't even imagine it at the point you know <laughs> yeah yeah i waited so they, I, I, yeah. I had friends who did the delta before me you know a few sort of few years before me and i waited to do it and they, and they were like when are you going to do the delta and i'm like and i was kind of going oh um, i'm not ready yet you know it was like it's like sort of getting married you know They're like when are you going to get married well, i'm not ready to make that commitment you know it's a similar level of challenge in a way mm. of, of, like, of seriousness of commitment but then um when when i finally did sort of make up my mind to do it i remember the first session of the delta they kind of you know they they gave us a chance to get to know each other a bit and then they were like right okay that's enough fun. Let's get serious. This is serious now. Yeah. And they laid it all on us. There was about an hour's worth of, you know, mm, PowerPoint mm. presentations and handouts and, you know, seriousness. And after about 20 minutes, I was like, oh, oh, God, you know, after about 20 minutes and then an hour into it. You know, you look around the room and there's like pale faces all around the room. Mm. These these people who were previously all lighthearted and you know looking forward to making new friends you know they're all suddenly all the blood had run out of everyone's faces <laughs> i remember like the the following session you know three people had dropped out and yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it's horrible we had we had we had some drop dropouts that there was one girl who was supposed to arrive from america and she she didn't even come so really yeah and then somebody somebody dropped out due to um due to illness and things like that it's it's really it's really not easy. Yes, that's right. It's, would, it's hard yeah. for people to know, it, unless they've done it, uh, just how difficult it is. I, I remember that like, none of my friends or none of my family really, under, really knew what I was going through. Yeah. Uh, I expect some of the people listening to this are thinking, they're exaggerating. They're, <laughs> they're exaggerating for comic effect. We're not. It's absolutely... <laughs> To be honest with you, I, I have got a good compare. I can I, I can see like good comparison between when I uh, did my degree in yeah. English teaching, which was at philosophical faculty in in one town in the Czech Republic, and I obviously I was studying for five years, but this was nothing nothing compared compared to to the Delta, and that's I, I don't know. I think there was another aspect to it, and that's the fact that I was there as a non-native. Mm. So I felt like I have to kind of prove myself, you know, mm. and there was like extra pressure on me. On the other hand, my advantage was the like I did have good linguistic background already. So I suppose that was a, an edge for me. Right. So you, Cause, cause yeah. you did uh, you did a master's degree in yeah. um, was it English, English teaching? 
English teaching to I think it was secondary secondary school or something, but it doesn't really matter. It's English teaching. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. So I had I had lit, I studied English literature and the linguistics and and um, didactics too. But yeah. yeah, this was different though. This was this was different in that um, that you really had to uh, meet all these criteria they gave you. I mean, it felt like at the university we have more we had more freedom so to speak or i don't know it's hard to explain when it comes to like practical practical aspect of teaching mm. it, f- it felt more like this was very like rigid or i'm not complaining i mean uh, i guess it's it's a way to to uh, make it reliable or i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. valid or something you mean the delta was a lot more rigid yeah 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 yes like, Yes, yes. It's, yeah, those or those word limits, and it was crazy, you know. Like if yeah. if you if you uh, go over the word limit, it's a huge problem, and then things like that. Oh yeah. So just the yeah. the, the number of hoops that you have to jump through. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is incredible. But don't you find? Haven't you found it's had a positive effect on your teaching? I guess I started thinking about these things a little bit more, which already have, which had already happened during my Salta, I guess, because I, it gave me it gave me another perspective on the on the things that I've been doing. Obviously, a lot of things mm-hmm. I've been doing wrong, and I this gave me a chance to uh, sort of realize it. But um, there are certain things that you you always like get back to your to your previous stereotypes. <laughs> if you, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. It's just it's just inevitable, even if. And it's because mainly because I guess it's, you know, you have got a lot of classes to prepare for and you don't necessarily want to spend too much time on it, even even though, you know, if you would, um, then even even if you know you, you did, it, it would bring better results. But it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, you, you know, there's no way that we can... Uh, prepare for our lessons in the way that uh, you have to for for a delta assessed lesson. I mean, you just mm-hmm. can't do it. I mean, uh, it's it's unrealistic to imagine that all of the teachers post delta are going through that process with every lesson. You know, it's not. But I, I guess um, you know the assessors, like what it, whoever it is, Cambridge, they they know this. They must know this. And and so essentially, you have to just instead of like jumping through these hoops every time you plan a lesson. They've set up the delta, so it's like one massive hoop that you've got to jump through, and you jump through that, and then you sort of don't have to jump through any other little hoops again. Or whenever yeah. you do jump through little hoops again in the future, um, it doesn't feel like much because of the massive one that you leapt through uh, <laughs> in that two-month yeah. period. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Mm. I can't, I can't agree more. <laughs> I, I found that after doing the the diploma. Um, I, I, dis, I noticed a, a definite improvement in my teaching in, in one particular aspect um, a few months after doing it. So I, I kind of took the course and everything and passed and, and, and that and then sort of had a couple of months to just sort of reset my brain to just mm-hmm. kind of come back to normal. And then I remember that I was moving flat and I spent about um, five or six weeks uh, in this little flat with nothing in it because you know i was moving so mm-hmm. i just had like a tv that didn't really work and i had the newspaper and um you know like i had no no internet connection or anything and um i found that i would just sit and go through the newspaper and every single thing in the newspaper i looked at 
became almost instantly became a lesson plan just <laughs> and i had to write it all down oh, i was God. like yeah. furiously yeah. writing all of this adapting the material and turning it into a lesson mm. plan and this pad was full of lesson plans by the end of the summer because like that's that's just my brain was so full of this stuff it had to just come out and yeah. that's that's because of the exam and i don't know if the exam's different now but the exam was the thing that really got me and it, it really sort of uh, switched on my – it kind of converted my brain into this mm. uh, English planning machine, English lesson <laughs> planning machine. Um, I, have what, you done the exam yet? What, what do you mean? The exam, the, the methodology linguistics exam, this it, one? It must be different because um, yeah. when I took yeah. it, there was just one final exam at the end of the course. Huh. Well, I, like I said, like today, actually, I got my results in module one, yeah. which is which is the like theoretical exam. It's a written exam, two papers, each of them 90 minutes long. Yeah. And then and then, yeah, so I managed I managed to fortunately, I managed to pass even with the merit, which is great. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's very, yeah. very good. That's really, really good. It's, I was so relieved. You have no idea. I mean, it's very hard to get a merit. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I was doing quite well in the mock exams, but I don't know why. I don't know how this happens to me, but I still was like, "Oh God, I hope I pass this." You know, yeah. <laughs> I was secretly hoping for bet for the better, but you know. Yeah, well, yeah. you must know you must know your strengths, and it, it, it you know it looks yeah. like you've got a good good handle on the language analysis. Definitely, because I was doing really well in the mocks in the in this language language analysis part. I, I always had like eighty percent or something. Right, and then. And then, and then I was not doing so well in the in the methodology part. Like we have to analyze a book and a test, and mm. uh, it was a bit wishy-washy, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah, because like, there's a section yeah. of the exam where you've got to look at a piece of and, published material yeah. and try and understand, you know, and, what they're doing with it. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels like you can say anything. You can justify it in any possible way, mm. and sometimes, like you can, it, it can be even contradictory, and it's just. I don't know. I, I learned. I learned to do it. I suppose because now that I have this result. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, but I, this was not something I was. I was most um, uh, afraid of. To be honest with you. Uh, no. It's just a lot of. It was just a lot of work. Right. Was, yeah. But not not too much because I already had the the knowledge from the university. Yeah. The the practical the practical part that was. That was tough because, like, I was—I thought I was doing all right until until I failed my lesson. I think, I think you've listened to the episode that I recorded about this, haven't you? Uh, I, d I don't think I've listened to that one. Honestly, I've listened to the first episode of your Delta series, but I didn't listen to the bit about when you talked about the lesson. I think, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's all right. But there was one lesson in particular which I failed, and it was the second one. It just—it just got me. Like I. I, I'm, I suppose I, at the time I was not used to uh, failing anything because I had never failed anything in my university. Like, really? you know, so I was like, I guess I was confident or like couldn't imagine failing. But once it happened, it, <laughs> I started doubting myself and I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? And it's it became a traumatic experience. And uh, then I did all right in the end. But, you know, it's <laughs> put a lot of pressure on me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It can really knock your confidence. Yeah. I. I, I suppose. I. Uh, maybe it's. It's me that I. I don't know. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes time. You know. It takes time to build up that sort of resistance. You know. To build mm. up the thick skin. 
Um, I certainly, when I was doing the Delta, I certainly found uh, the the assessed, the observed lessons to be yeah. the, probably the most difficult part yeah. um, because of the stress, basically. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, I'd, um, I guess your listeners know if they've they've heard you know what what goes into it. But like the amount of time you spend writing the the paper and then writing the lesson plan and trying to account for everything and the level of pressure that you end up putting on yourself as you go into this class this this class which is an hour uh and it's got to be like everything has to be perfect it's got to be completely perfect and you've got some some sort of um examiner who you've never met sits in the corner of the room and peers over their glasses at you while you're doing this while you're standing there and you've got all your students as well who (laughs) you normally teach and normally it's all hey cool yeah let's have another lesson blah, blah. and then on that day you're like you know totally uh, a total nervous wreck and they're all freaked out everyone gets all mm. everyone gets completely freaked out by it but you know you're nervous that makes them nervous that makes you nervous and you know you drop your pen and then oh god um, it's it's horrible isn't it it's just horrible. or when or when you have a, an assessed lesson and your suddenly your laptop which had always worked before very well and you've tried it and tested before and everything was fine and suddenly it just the VLC player doesn't work for some reason so yeah. that's that's a good experience as well especially if there is a, a some kind of a hot shot there oh yeah 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 i'm sure that must have been wonderful for you yeah yeah well that, that felt really weird but so, somehow i i managed to uh, get get my senses back and i uh, i played it in microsoft the media player but okay that's, that saved me but it was like good 20 seconds that i spent on like uh yeah, yeah i didn't sure. i didn't do very well actually in in my um in in many of my observed lessons i actually had a really hard time and and i had a very hard time in my celta as well um mm. and when i did the celta which is obviously the first qualification that we do um yeah. that was a shock to me as well because um i'd never done any teaching i'd never done any language analysis at mm. all um and you know even to the point where i you know i, I had a degree and all that stuff and i yeah. i was capable basically but i remember the first session um, we had a little questionnaire that we had to do in pairs and it was like, you know, the difference between a noun, a verb, an adjective and an adverb. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know the difference mm. between an adjective and a verb. Which which is a typical like picture of a, of a, nat- a lot of native speaker teachers, I would say, of English. I mean, yes. there are obviously some who have uh, who have graduated from uh, university and like, did pedagogy and English teaching. But a lot of them were like you, I suppose. Um yeah, I met some some, some teachers like this uh, during my SOTA too. Mm. But at this during this Delta, all of the teachers like had been experienced once. So yeah, right. Yeah, when you get to Delta level, you you know you've got to know a lot more than just the mm-hmm. difference between an adjective and adverb and a verb and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to be you know pretty well experienced, otherwise you're not going to make it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it must have been pretty difficult as a non-native speaker doing that but maybe not maybe that there were advantages do you find do you find because this is a question that we've sort of chatted about before on on you know in messages and stuff Mm. about um the difference between native speakers and non-native speakers as teachers because most of the time um it seems i mean in my experience as a teacher who's met lots of students the -hmm. students always or often have this idea that native speakers are 
always better as teachers. Do, but do you yeah. agree with that? Well, uh, I don't know where where you got this from, but um, yeah, I think there is a there is a preconception, and um, I would even call it a prejudice. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, in a lot of cases, I, I am sure this is the case, but um, I think it's too it's too simplistic to say, to put it like this, and mm. you're over basically over over generalization. And I could I could see it during my delta. Mm-hmm. I could see that I, I was able to measure myself um, with these uh, native speakers like e- easily. I mean, obviously, uh, there were a lot of strengths they had over me. Like what? Uh, like, well, obviously, it's the voc- vocabulary and like they would never struggle for words. Like even me now talking to you, yeah, I'm, I'm an experienced uh, teacher and I, I have spent even more time talking speaking English than Czech maybe in my life but yeah. still it, it feels uh, difficult sometimes to find the right words to string a sentence together and you want especially if you are a teacher you, you become a little bit self-conscious because you you are uh, constantly aware of your own mistakes like now there was an example during our interview I I know I made a mistake in uh, in a conditional and I I was trying to correct myself you know <laughs> self subconsciously so this this kind of challenge right and yeah but you know I think that um you know like I struggle to find the right words all the time you know I do I'm I'm often umming and erring and you know not communi- <clears throat> not not putting things forward properly and, and what do you mean like in the classroom or like, just in my life i mean in, i don't in, think so. come on <laughs> no really no no really 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 uh i mean just take you know just if you can imagine it of uh, sitting around the dinner table with my dad my brother my mum and mm. my it might not come through on the podcast that my but my brother is actually um often he, he does more of the talking in the mm. family than mm. i do i mean okay the the Apparently, we're all talkers, but uh, at the dinner table, I can't get a word in mm. uh, between my dad and, and my brother uh, <laughs> and and my mum to an extent. But certainly the, those two are the ones who do all the talking. And I, I find it really hard to get a word in. And when mm. and I get all upset and I'm like, can someone listen to me for <laughs> Christ's sake? And then when I then they're like, OK, say what you want to say. And then I'm like, but I, uh, uh, you know, it's a disaster. <laughs> Um, maybe that's why I do my podcast. It's just like the only way that I can get all the words out that I need to get out. Well, you, know. you come across as very articulate on, the, on your podcast, so I, I don't really know what you're talking about. I guess here, I've right? got myself into a comfortable zone on the podcast where I'm able to just sort of like go on and on and on. But I do ramble a hell of a lot. I mean, uh, you know, it's not exactly the most efficient sort of uh, bit of communication. But I think it's part of the charm. So, uh, I mean, guess that's so. what makes Luke's English podcast what it is. Yeah, you know? I guess so. But what I was saying is that I think it's quite normal for people to uh, struggle over their words a bit. But as a non-native speaker yourself, you're probably, as you said, a lot more aware of it. And well, so you're just so self-conscious of that that, that uh, it, you know, it, the, 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 the frequency with which you're struggling to find words is probably not that much higher than a native speaker but because you're so aware of it the this you know it it, it that sort of uh, exaggerates the difference in your mind i mean in our conversation you you know it's not yeah. it's not holding you back or anything so i think a lot of it's in the mind 
I mean, not all of it, of course. Not certainly not all of it. You know, you know, you want to express yourself well, and and obviously you want to make good impression when you talk to more people than just you know one person. So obviously now we we're being recorded, and uh, you know more people will listen to this. So I really want to like make extra effort, mm. and and you know it's just the same in the classroom, but um, sometimes the words just don't don't come naturally to me or or. You know, I just uh, stumble, stumble over my words or mm. or I uh, make a mistake and then and then I immediately realize it. And I'm not one of those people who would like who would like to let it go. I just self-correct all the time. So sure, sure. I well, suppose I, I suppose I might be I might be a bit too hard on myself right now, but it does happen sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I you know, that can be a strength as a teacher, because in a sense, you know, what you're you are like a you, you're a model a more realistic more attainable model of um english ability mm. than yeah. than i might be it's true because i i mean um obviously you, you're I, I can consider you like as an idol as a native speaker i would like to speak like you but at the same time i'm aware that i can never speak like you it's impossible like you know i i you know i'm past the critical hypo- hypothesis uh, and all that so uh, um yeah but i mean what you can do is is this is going to sound cheesy but what you can do is learn to speak like you you know <laughs> I mean, whatever that means. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure either. But what I mean is that, like, uh, um, uh, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. That even as a, even me, if I have someone in mind that I would love to be able to speak like, uh-huh. like some sort of, uh, you know, comedian or a, a public speaker that I really admire, and Ricky I could you be or some, somebody uh, like that? Yeah, or even, or someone. I mean. Someone like really articulate, like um, mm. I don't know, someone like Christopher Hitchens or something. You know, one of these okay. ri- one of these writers who is just able to apparently like create these arguments in the form of debates that are just really, just really perfectly worded and so impressive. Mm. And other people, you know, like other comedians and 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 people. And I kind of think I to an extent I don't know if I can do that, but mm. what I could do is become uh, is do it in my own way. You know, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that might, you know, being able to use all of the big words all the time is not always the most effective. I mean, yeah, especially in the classroom. I mean, it's that's obvious. But here on the podcast, I, I, I like to show off and in a way that I, I think it helps me. You know, I think it, it pushes my own English. Yeah. And obviously, most of the time you don't you don't teach advanced students. I don't know how about you, but I've got I've got some advanced students, mm-hmm. but I also have a lot of lower level classes. Yeah. And so I can't really I can't really use idioms that much and you know nah. at the elementary level you can't you can't even speak <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, so but I you know idioms are a little bit overrated. I mean they they're obviously important because they are yeah. aspects of the language. But you know we shouldn't put too True. much importance on them. True, but the uh, the phrase let, okay let's say phrasal verbs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which you can't overrate enough I Absolutely. would say because, no, you're yeah. right. You're right yeah. So uh, they are really important, and it's easier for for someone who's learning English to to learn those Latinate words mm. rather than the uh, phrasal verbs, which is very often the case. So, mm. yeah. Um, but going back to that thing about how, um, as a non-native speaker, you might actually be a sort of more, you might be. I'm not sure if better is the is the is the right word really in this case. I think that it's just a case of being different, but sort of mm. so valuable. 
I, I think maybe the, the, what's more important than um, kind of uh, native uh, level speech um, is, um, is, is your skills as a teacher. Yeah, definitely. And, and that, yeah. that is the thing that's going to mark you out as, as good or bad, um, really. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, native speakers have access to uh, vocabulary and, and maybe they are able to present a certain model of pronunciation, hmm. um, uh, you know, native-like pronunciation or whatever. Um, and also the other thing that native speakers might have is just sort of access to a large sort of bank of English in their heads, Mm-hmm. You know, like this kind of living corpora of English that you've got in your head and you just sort of like someone tells you a bit of English and you run it through your brain. And if it <laughs> feels right, then it's probably correct. And if it doesn't feel right, then that that's what, you know, that's what tells you whether it's right or wrong rather than yeah. your understanding of the rules. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. when I'm analysing language, that's how I that's my first step is just run it around, you know, say the sentence a few times and just feel like it's, it, whether it feels natural or not. And if it doesn't feel natural, then I sort of try to find out why, uh, or mm. if it does feel natural, similarly, I'm trying to find out why. So actually the feeling comes first and then the, then the, the rules are, are, are applied to that, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the, the rules explain why I feel like that. So in a sense, like native speakers can, I suppose, just sort of give an answer, which is like, no, people just don't say that. Or, uh, you know, that doesn't really, yeah. you know, that just doesn't really exist. Yeah. Uh, but, but yes, go on. But then again, like you can't, you can get closer to a native speaker teacher. You just have to find the opportunities, like network with native speaker teachers. I mean, if I, if I listen to, to podcasts, like I would say one at least one hour a day or two hours a day, yeah. I'll get the feel. I'll get the feel for the language too, you know. Mm. And, and it's just these days, it's much easier for even non-native English teachers to to get a lot of exposure to English, you know. And just it's important to keep working on your own uh, on your own uh, expertise and um, language skills. You know, yes. that's that's something that shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah. And that's why I was never I was never into the idea of going. Uh, into the idea of teaching at an elementary school because that's just I wouldn't move move forward there at right, all. Right. So yeah, I always wanted to teach adults and possibly foreigners because that's that's really the most interesting thing about my job. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Different and, levels and yeah and ages. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's it's very good in that way. Yeah. Um, I was going to say. Um, so we were talking about how native speakers have certain sort of. Uh, um, like advantages, but non-native speakers too have advantages that native speakers don't have as teachers. Hmm. What would you say uh, they are? Well, like the fact that you've done it already. Like you know, you, yeah. you've learned English as a second mm-hmm. language, and so in a sense, you can tell, you can say to your students, "Look, I've made the journey. Now I can show you the way." You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, to- I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And often native speaker teachers haven't. You know, there are plenty of native speaker uh-huh. teachers out there who've never learned a language. Yeah. I mean, for example, you, you're learning French, though, so this is, this is an advantage for you, too. Yeah, it's, it's oh. definitely helped as well, like my experiences yeah. of learning or not learning French. I guess I get is, it helps on the, on the front of, like, the, the, ability, the, like the ability to em- empathize with your students. Totally. I mean, yeah. you can... You can 
you understand how they feel sometimes so you can understand the frustration uh, yeah. and all, all that and 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 little things like you know i i took french classes uh here in paris at uh, alliance francaise which is a kind of you know french school basically the, the, the sort of places that we work but for french and um i was sitting in in one of the classrooms you know, and I had classmates from around the world and a teacher and stuff and just lots of things I noticed, uh, like, for example, if the teacher wrote something on the board hmm. and then she would rub it off. And I'd be like, don't rub it off. I need that. You know, and, and I didn't have the language, first of all, to say, sorry, can you, you know, sorry, can you not rub that off, please? I read, you know, or, or what was that thing you wrote on the board in the top left hand uh -huh. corner about half an hour ago? Yeah. I missed it. I really... I, you know, that's the word I'm looking I, I get, for. I get to ask this question very often. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. someone who has who struggles with uh, handwriting. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, what I discovered as a student is that, there, that you're so restricted. Like, you know, so many things I wanted to say uh, and that I couldn't say. And so yeah. many sort of things that she did that I wanted to, to show her that they were great and some mm -hmm. things she were doing she was doing uh, were not so great and i just sort of lacked the language yeah. to do it but i also lacked the sort of status to do it because as a yeah, yeah. as a student you're like i better not say anything you know? <laughs> i don't want to make the teacher unhappy i don't want to annoy the other students and so yeah there's you start to realize yeah. what the students are going through uh, -huh. uh so much more and yeah it's, it's really important but um but but for you as someone who's sort of learn english as a second language from the point of view of another language you've got a view and perspective yeah on yeah. english that's De definitely definitely um yeah that's uh, you know i know the, the what, the what the challenges are and i can i can even like uh, give my students anecdotes about how i learned a, a particular piece of language yeah for example you have no idea how long it took me to to even start to 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 start using the conditionals Pro properly and the, like the narrative tenses and all that yeah i mean you easily master past tense and how to talk about the future mm. but these these like upper intermediate advanced pieces of grammar are sometimes tough uh, so <laughs> right yeah. yeah i'm sure yeah i mean those, those those are all vital bits of anecdotal teaching that you mm -hmm. can give to your students you know like like sort of storytelling and it makes them feel better, you know, because you, you, you tell them, ah, yeah, this was this was one of the toughest thing toughest things for me to learn, and so I know how you feel, and you know, it, I, I think they, it makes them feel better and yeah. uh, about themselves, and it can motivate them, I suppose. Absolutely, you know? yeah, absolutely. So, I'm I'm aware sometimes of the fact that I sometimes I don't know if I'm just sort of being uh, negative or paranoid or whatever, but sometimes I think maybe I'm harming their english in some ways you oh know? come on <laughs> well, no no occasionally i think that i don't think so not really like i mean you have a lot of experience and i i don't think it's your case but it might happen to some teachers i suppose mm. but i mean for example i think maybe native teachers could some some uh, less experienced native teachers could struggle with lower levels i i, I do believe that um um any any native speaker could teach an advanced learner of english and an advanced learner of english could get something good out of the lesson that's what i think but not necessarily when it comes to lower levels yeah yeah 
Absolutely, yeah. Okay, me, me as a, as somebody who is at let's say C one, C two, I would I really find find your podcast useful, and I would always appreciate a native speaker over a non-native one. Mm. But but that's because you know I'm at this level. Yes. But if there is a teacher who is who, whose English is better than mine, which happened during the Delta, and obviously there was a teacher from the Czech Republic, then uh, you know. Fair enough. She was she was also a good good teacher. So yeah, I guess in the in the end, you know, uh, the thing is that some pe- some people do have this preconception about non-native speakers, and I just think that it's it's not necessarily the the you know it's not necessarily fair, um, mm. you know, um, and it's it's more to do with the uh, teaching skills and personal motivation of the teacher and and all these these other yeah. things. That there there are so many more important factors. Um, uh-huh. that come into play i mean for yeah. example some of the best teachers that i know and some of some colleagues that i've worked with have been you know non-native speakers like i've i, I had mm. several colleagues in uh, the london school of english who were brilliant um mm-hmm. there was like julia from poland and zainep from turkey and emina mm-hmm. from from uh, um um where was she from oh no this is embarrassing because now <laughs> she was from slovenia uh-huh. And um, they like they were brilliant. Trump's Trump's wife, like Trump's wife. Yes, so, so. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. I don't know if she would be happy with the comparison. I don't uh, know. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, they were all excellent teachers. So anyway, that's that dealt with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that whole subject sorted. <laughs>